Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. So, today is the 49th day of George Floyd's passing. Forty-nine days in our tradition is thought to be the time. Some there's lots of myths around it, but it also seems to be the a good amount of time to it's grieve. <laughs> Maybe we should just be quiet. <laughs> yeah, but it seems like the important time to really mark how long we're grieving. And, you know, there's mythology around, you know, it takes that long to go through bardos and some Buddhist traditions and some traditions it's, you're going through all these different realms and Jizo Bodhisattva is with you in all these realms. And, but mostly uh, my feeling is that psychologically, it just is a really important amount of time to Oh, just to carry our grief. So thinking of George Floyd and his family. And today is also the 42nd day of our practice. And today, Dogen brings to us, um, he's been talking about him, Ben Zui Fang and his teachings and how they inspired Dogen. And one of my wishes for this talk today is to, for us to find some inspiration. And Zui Feng was our, is in our lineage, the 39th ancestor from Shakyamuni Buddha. And so that's exactly about 50 generations ago. And I always find that's kind of amazing to think about and how do we get to know our lineage? And here is one of them and that we're all here, whether we're aware of it or not, because of Zui Fang and many, 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 many others, and all the people around Zui Fang who supported him. So I think it's important. I often think about my own family and that, you know, beyond my great-grandparents, I don't know. And, um, because most of them were fled and we're forced to flee. And so there's not a lot known. So in some ways, there's part of the healing in some ways, also realizing, oh, there's these lineages that we can actually know about. And one of his famous teachings is that no gate is the gate of emancipation. 
that there is no gate. And some folks in our school study a book called the Mumon Khan, where just the first collection of koans in the koan study. And it starts with the name itself, which means Mumon Khan, which means no, no gate or the gateless gate. So the place to enter is both very often is thought of that there are barriers and there's gates and that the barriers turn into gates. So anything that's difficult for us and many people that I've been talking to during this practice period are like, oh, it's so hard. And what he's, what Dogen's, you know, saying that we need to do is so hard. And so it's like, that's when we see it as a barrier, but it's also a gate. And so learning how to shift and pivot in our mind where we keep running up against the same thing, the same thing, the same pattern, same pattern in our mind, our same response to the same stimulus. Maybe you've had that experience. <laughs> and you're like, oh, oh, oh. So this, so Zui Fang was really the person who began talking about it in that way, really looking at that there's no gate, but then when we don't, we're not tied to any particular place to enter. That we just enter wherever we are. I love that so much. And there are many koans in the Mumon Khan and the Blue Cliff Record and the Book of Equanimity about Zuifang. Ten koans which are really teaching stories, stories about teachers and, and their students working together. You could say actually with the goal of no gate, of intimacy. And to me, this is like the reflection for today, which is not holding back is the place of practice. So like there's no gate. If we hold back, if we hesitate, I know when I do that, not much is entered. New places even in my own body and mind are not entered. I just keep going in the same, same, same. So that willingness to not hold back and to enter like, wow, what else is here? What can I explore here? The Dogen says, Zui Fang never slackened Zazen both day and night and from the time he aroused bodhisattva mind. So all the time he was in this continuous practice. During the long course of entering various monasteries, he did not discriminate among them, but hung up his traveling staff and joined their practice. <laughs> I love this teaching so much because it's, very often, you know, in the, you know, first 10 years of joining some group, you know, at least 10 years, 
uh, people are like, well, in my other place or in my other practice or in, you know, what I like more is, you know, fill in the blank, right? In the other community I practice with or as a kid I liked or this is not quite, we kind of kind of go into that Goldilocks kind of mind frame where we're just like, mm -hmm. a little too hot, a little too rough, a little too soft, a little too, right? And then we can get into kind of basically breaking the precepts and kind of gossiping with others. Like, don't you think it's not quite right? And, you know, yeah, mm, no, we can get into all of that. Not difficult to do. <laughs> Very easy and popular to do. And so what I love about this beginning teaching is that he just hung up his traveling staff and joined their practice. So just, the traveling staff is a staff that most monastics would have, which is so incredible. It's just like the staff and usually would have some bells at the top of it so that any kind of little animals or beings would hear the person coming along. And so not to scare them and also not to harm any little bugs or insects or they would just hear this little jing, 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 jing. And the thought of like, finally, when you plant your staff or hang up your staff, it's like, I am here. So in kind of, to me, when we do that, it's also about, you know, softening our need or grasping or my grasping to how I want it to be, but just joining the practice instead of making the practice according to our stuff. Right. So amazing how often we want to adapt it to us as opposed to letting it enter us. And there's been lots of teachings in this um, essay by Dogen about that, you know, that kind of work on just receiving the world instead of you making the world fit to how it's comfortable for you. So like this, the way Fang just, you know, just joins the practice. And then it says, he did not relax his effort and completely perished in Zaza. And it's so easy, and maybe you've had this experience where you kind of said, and you're like, oh, this one, I just 10 more minutes, so I'll just kind of zone out or think about something else or what's for lunch. And just kind of, not that those thoughts don't arise, but, you know, just kind of indulge them and just kind of ride them around. And some people call that, you know, thinking instead of meditating. <laughs> you know, just kind of riding whatever you're thinking, like, okay. So to me, what, you know, Zui Feng is saying, like, don't relax your effort. Like, okay, just bring it back, bring it back. Not that you won't fall down. I was reading the other day, someone saying like, the difference between a master and someone who's starting is that the master has failed a gazillion times. 
and the new person is like, well, wanting to get it right. And so when it's mastered, has like really gotten comfortable with being a bit foolish and realizing you're just going to mess up a gazillion times. So to me, it's like so beautiful about, you know, relaxing, not relaxing our effort is also to, to me, is also to understand the effort of like, all right, even just falling down and screwing up or wandering around in our mind. But to me, the beauty is like how we bring our, catch ourselves and bring ourselves back. So the not relaxing is like not, you know, just not just, you know, coasting around, but actually bringing yourself back. Or as I often like to say, like, who cares what we're distracted by? Just like bring yourself back. Like we often care so much about our distractions. Many people talk about like the news or preoccupied with different things. And it's like, okay, but just bring yourself back. It's not that we're not going to ever be free of distraction, but like the Buddha under the tree, just like, you know, distractions arise and allow them to pass. Easy to say. <laughs> this is why he says he completely perished in Zazen. So like completely perishing is this kind of quality of just, just being with your breath. Just thoroughly it's like coming back, if you're counting, it's like coming back to one thoroughly, just like whew, coming back to your hara. And it's like that moment of perishing. It's like that instead of inflating who we are. Because we could actually use Zazen to just, you know, to just inflate who we are about how hard it is or how we're so, we have such busy minds. It's too hard for me. But the reality is like, you know, if you're a human being, you have like a hundred thoughts per second. We're just aware of one or two. So it just means you're a human being. But we often over-personalize. So these moments of returning to the breath is so, in some ways the instruction is so simple about how to perish. It's just like, ah, I find it delightful. So later in this piece from this morning, it says, those of you who follow the way nowadays, wash yourself in the snow of Zuifang. So it's like so beautiful. I love that so much. It's just this, you know, this encouraging of how do we bring in these people and realize that they're not, Zuifang is not, living a hundred million years ago, right now you can wash yourself with the snow of where he lived to help kind of wipe it off, to clean it off. All the schluff that we keep, you know, adding on. 
or in the Hindu tradition, they call it the dross, like kind of the stuff we collect. And we're so into the stuff we collect. But how do we wash yourself off of the snow of where's Wei Feng lived? Maybe chilly washing yourself with snow. And who cares? You know, just be cold for a minute. Might wake you up. So what do you do? You know, how do you support your practice? How do you bring some vigor into some zeal? And to to me, I've been thinking about Zui Fang and like, wow, like I my life is different than his life, but I can actually I'm here because of him. And wow, how can I bring in some of that zeal? Instead of, well, that's not who I am. I'm dull or I'm you know, not so whatever. It's fascinating to me how we give ourselves so many excuses. Dogen says later, the day of the master's guiding hand ends at sunset. At the at the time when the masters expound dharma, you may lie, lack eyes and ears, your seeing and hearing may be blocked. And when you are ready, your teacher's time may come to an end. What in the world are you waiting for? That even teachers perish, die. This 88 generations of now, 87 generations have died in our lineage. Mizumi Roshi is dead. That's again Glassman, Maria Matheson. What are we waiting for to open our eyes and ears to the teaching? Later, he says, although great teachers all have the power to know people, it is rare to have a good relationship with a teacher. And become intimate while cultivating the way. I know for me, that's, that's one of the most challenging parts. You know, Dogen keeps bringing this up, the student-teacher relationship again and again and again. I feel like he's like, just in case you didn't get the point, really important. You know, and later in the text, he talks about his relationship with his teacher, Ruji. 
rare to have a good relationship. So to me, it's like, cause it's rare to have that kind of openness and lack of hesitation in relationship. You know, he's talking about with teachers, I would say in general, <laughs> it's rare that we really open ourselves and are really actually curious what's going on inside of the other person. Or these days I talk about it in terms of warming the screen. Like how do we, you know, really be curious about, like we could be easy to say like, oh, we're on Zoom, so whatever. But like, it's just so interesting to look at all of your faces, to see your breath and how it's moving your shoulders. who's kind of a little bit lost in thought and who's just like there and how we're all going in and out. It's so interesting. To really wanna look. And how mysterious Dominic is, it's all backlit. He's a shape, <laughs> we don't know. But I'm so curious. And to me, like, that's the whole point. It's about how do you extend? And to me, this is only possible if we kind of soften our self preoccupation, how it's going for me. And then I could create a story about your relationship with me as opposed to saying, like, hey, what's your deal? This is what I'm, what's going on for me? What's going on for you? Am I sinking upright? To be willing to take that risk, to be curious. He says later, there are those who do and those who do not enter the inner chamber. There are those who do and those who do not hear. The inner chamber often is thought of as Dogasan room, the space where you meet with your teacher. But I think in many ways, it's about that kind of the inner chamber of the world. It's not just about your teacher but willing to really enter your inner chamber. That's both yours and the world. So challenging. And the other day I gave a talk about the Earth's core and I often think about the Earth's core. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love that it's like rotating faster than the rest of the Earth. Who can understand that? The inner chamber. And for me, they're so deeply interrelated. The earth's core and Dogasan and the path itself. That willingness to like be really curious about what else instead of our thing. 
how I am, how I'm not. It drives some people crazy because they often qualify when people say statements. Like some of my students will say statements like, I'm this kind of person. I always say, till now, till now. Because we often were like putting spells on ourselves. Oh, zazen's hard for me, or having relationships is hard for me. Till now. It's like, boom, what else? What else is possible in this moment? The liberation that Dogen is talking about in continuous practice, he's saying it's like always available and it's not an idea. It's a moment by moment, you know, entering as Wei Fang says, like the no gate. I find it thrilling. And at the end of this piece from today, he says, those who don't study or practice will be regretful. You know, as many people in the community do and Jodo myself do, and, and probably just many people have had the experience of being with people who are dying, like never, these are the, that is the regret not necessarily practicing zazen, but really living. Really loving. Going beyond our fear. And so many people who I've been with at the last moments, it's always about like, what was all that fear about? What was all that hesitation about? Oh, such regret. <laughs> it's been a long time. Doing, writing a lot of things I was going to share with you today. <laughs> Yesterday. In the past. As often happens, it just doesn't feel alive anymore. And to me, I love resting in that. All those fascinating ideas that I thought were really great points, just in this moment, aren't really connected. I remember I used to spend so much time and agonize over talks until I just really began to learn and, and keep learning and practicing, trusting the moment, entering this no gate with you in relationship which to me is the most beautiful part of practice.
being in relationship in the world. Noticing if there's some tightness and softening it. For at least a lifetime. So. So how will you enter this no gate, the gate of emancipation? How will you do that? How will you practice not holding back as a place of practice? Thank you so much. <laughs>